0: In this episode, I get to talk to Jesse Gillen-Walters from Entrepreneur, also known as Basic Printer. If you don't know what Indopreneur is, basically they're like a music marketing training company. They're also an agency and they also have like one-on-one kind of thing and group coaching as well. And Jesse's involved in like the agency level, running ads for clients, doing one-on-one coaching, helping people get their music marketing funnels up and running. And he literally sells hundreds of CDs right. per month. So I thought it would be my dog's very excited for this video. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it'd be really cool to talk to him, pick his brain, and I hope you're one a lot. Enjoy. I am Jesse Gillen Walters from uh, mostly
1: representing Entrepreneur here, um, but I'm also a musician. I go by the name Basic Printer for my music. It's kind of a kind of fritzy synth pop thing. Um, but, you know, I think the most applicable kind of platform to speak from will be kind of the marketing for, with this conversation. Um, so yeah, the entrepreneur kind of side of my life, which is very central to kind of everything I'm doing, which is, which is really cool is, um, you know, over there we do, we, we create marketing trainings and we have a, a subscription to like, uh, I think at this moment, maybe 15 trainings, video trainings, uh, teach you every corner of marketing your music you'd ever need to kind of investigate, whether it be Facebook ads, Instagram ads, you know, Spotify, email. Um product developments, you know, website building, campaigns, you know, all of these kind of, you know, really deep, bigger elements that really combine into good marketing for musicians. We cover all that. Um we also do, we also have an agency and I run some accounts there. So, you know, some people sign on to our agency and we run their marketing. Uh, I run a couple accounts over there. And then we also have a group count uh, group coaching program at Entrepreneur called Any Founder. And I am. Uh, it's kind of Corinne, Corinne Camel, and I are, are more or less leading that. It's it's she's kind of the head of that that product, but I am kind of the lead instructor there, and I do a lot of the curriculum development and teach those classes. Uh, so yeah, that is what
0: I'm all about. So to summarize all that, basically, music marketing expert guy who can teach you anything you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. And uh, if, if any of you <laughs> yeah. haven't heard of, of Entrepreneur, um I, I highly recommend, you know, I mean, obviously I, I teach stuff on here and I sell my own courses, but like I highly recommend Indepreneur. It's a really good program. Mm-hmm. And um, even if like you're not at the position to like pay for pay for something, I mean, the free content you guys offer is really good too. Like the uh, the podcasts that Corinne and Jack oh, yeah. do, every time I get in my car, I play it because it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um Yeah. So I guess first, like, let's talk about how you get started, entrepreneur, because you have a more interesting story where you were actually a student first.
1: Yeah. So, you know, again, currently we are offering, uh, you know, our, our subscription has tons of trainings. But in, I think it was late 2017, when Kyle was the only one running the company, he had just one training called the FanFinder training. The FanFinder method, in a nutshell, it's a um, a video ad Campaign that you can run at a pretty affordable budget and pretty reliably, like almost 100% of the time, like it just results in a lot of interested fans knocking on your door, you know, following your, your Facebook and Instagram. And uh, it's a perfect first step to then take those people, bring them somewhere uh, more monetizable. And I bought that course kind of totally whimsically. I remember like... I remember like looking at the checkout page and being like, why am I here about to do this for $200? Like I was like, I was like, you know, learning this thing for $200 totally like I'm not batting an eye at this. It was, I think like November 2017, I was like, I'm not going to be doing shows the rest of the year. Like we're entering Christmas mode. This would be a good time to just learn something. So I'm not, you know, batting an eye at this, but I was like, wait, I don't know who this is. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I got here. And I was just like impressed that I was so drawn to buy this without much thought. Yeah. And that really kind of influenced me. And, and uh, I mean, that really persuaded me to listen to Kyle Moore because when I bought the, you know, when I started going through the training, because it was like everything he started talking about was like, yeah, I just fell into this exact stream. And when he asked me if I would pay $200 for this information, I was not mad about it. I wasn't offended. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um and yeah. And so basically I ran that strategy a bunch. Um, ran a bunch of kind of music video ads on Facebook and IG, mm-hmm. had a great response for me. It was like, it just blew the lid off of everything I was doing. Like up until then, I was clawing at at random, you know, <laughs> at random approaches and like yeah, just guessing and taking random stabs and not, and it felt like maybe things were happening sometimes but this was the first yeah. time I was like wow I can see in this dashboard things are happening like in a palpable way you know yeah Um. so I got super hooked on marketing my music after that and it was just like every little possible thing I could try it was like oh my god if I can try that, I can do this and I can do that. And I just had that brain, you know, ever since. Yeah. So that led me to kind of working one-on-one with Kyle in his mentorship program. And I got to know him a little bit. I went on a tour that I booked and we like marketed that tour, which was pretty interesting. Um, there's a lot of good stuff that happened there. I learned so much about kind of, again, like the full, the full stack of page building and checkouts and everything. Um, yeah, this is a pretty, a very hard to, to, to market a tour, uh, <laughs> much less for a budding, um, like experimental, weird underground project. Um,
0: yeah, so. I saw your description of your music. It's like gl- glitch pop. Is that the <laughs> glitch pop? And uh, um, I think I checked out some stuff. I, I ended up finding out what your artist name was somehow and uh, checked out some songs that I mean, it's not you're not doing like death, uh, death metal jazz or anything.
1: No so you're not no. you're
0: not super unique, but um, I could see how you would be a little like nervous about doing a tour around a, you know something that's not like hip hop or pop or rock you know you're doing a more unique yeah, like, approach
1: right I couldn't wrap up you know in the booking emails I couldn't kind of wrap up what I sounded like in uh a catchy phrase or something yeah um as much as as some others may be able to um yeah <laughs> but. Either, either way, you know, uh, quite a, an endeavor to, to market that tour. And, um, it, w- it went pretty well. There was a lot of good stuff that came through our advertising and it was just more than anything. It was a really big learning moment. Um, and yeah, basically after those, that pair of experiences, it was just like, I was in, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't learn enough from them. I couldn't, I couldn't dig in deep enough to everything they were doing. It was just, it was, you know, creative juice all the time. <laughs> like from the chronologically from the first one, like I could not stop. And, uh, you know, I, I was just so vocal in the community and as a customer and that eventually, uh, and then, you know, yeah. they're kind of watching me, um, apply the trainings. I ended up yeah. contracting for them for a bit and then it rolled into a full-time situation.
0: Yeah, that's a sweet story too, you know, because it's 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 always funny when stuff like that happens. You're like learning from someone, and then you're like working with them, and they're, you're, yeah. you're part of the team, and you're a pretty important part of the team now too. You know, I mean, you you do a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. I I it is. Yeah, it's
0: it's good to to reflect on that sit and and look at that. Yeah. And and so there's, there's a lot of stuff like we could, we could talk about, but I think, I thought something Mm -hmm. that would be, uh, I guess maybe a good start would be when you're doing Indie Founder, since you're, you're kind of the main coach for that. Um, I know there's a bunch of different stages to it, depending on where the, the artist is in their career. But, Mm -hmm. um, on average, like what's, what's the most common thing that people have a big misunderstanding of, or that people get wrong or, or that you know, I guess like, what's the common thing that you, they come in and you're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You know?
1: Yeah, man. A lot of it is like, uh, so quick, quick little lesson. This will be like a few minutes or sorry, a few sentences. Um, (laughs) you know, we have what's called the buddy system, which is like the fan journey of, you know, uh, becoming a more of a hardcore fan in your marketing system. And, and there are, I think seven stages to it. The first is introduction, right? They've heard of your music at least once. Maybe they heard a tune. Maybe they've seen a music video. Maybe they've heard of you from a friend. Um, you know, that's number one. Number seven is like referral and advocacy. They're like over the moon. They can't stop talking to you about you. They're obsessed with your stuff. They will go to bat for you and, and tell, you know, buy gifts for their friends and tell people to buy in. And, and, you
0: know, yeah
1: and everywhere, you know, getting someone from intro all the way there takes, you know, Five other steps like there's education, like apprising them more on who you are and more of your other stuff, and then there's getting their email in there or, or their text, you know, their phone number for text, and then there's getting that first purchase. And all of these require tenure and the number of campaigns and a deliberate approach, right? Um, yeah. a lot of people, uh, in Indie Founder, they enter and they have like you know, maybe kind of some products here or there and like a half built website and you know, they have a MailChimp account and that's about it. Um, and otherwise they have like a good amount of intro and maybe some spotty education and like, you know, a handful of like friends and family on their email list and that's that. And it's like, yeah, man, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of what I see is like, you know, they kind of poked their head into the entrepreneur teachings and thought like, you know, Oh, okay. Well, I should grab this website builder and that, you know, email thing. And, and they kind of set up the, you know, the, the structure of things. Um, Mm -hmm. But then they have a hard time just like kind of pushing the traffic through it. You know, a lot of times it's just like, Hey, if you just, you know, try this one little campaign or try this email automation here, or like you invest at the top here, you'll probably see some good things happen. You just have this kind of spotty, um, structure here that's not totally interconnected and not totally kind of you know the gas isn't really going on it yeah. um, so it's interesting I, there's not a lot of people that come in and they're like I have nothing except this video <laughs> ad you know it's like yeah uh, Yeah. so I think I think a lot of it is like maybe they have some cold feet with like pushing traffic through what they have They feel they don't feel like they're ready to do it but you know yeah. no one's ever really ready is the thing <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and even for myself, um, that is a lot. It's a lot scarier when you're trying to think of like, I'm going to run a funnel to sell some merch related to my music than it is to say I'm going to run some ads to grow on Spotify, for example. Um, Because when you're doing the product thing, like you have to be a lot more personal to one um, get their. I'll I'll use I'll use entrepreneur terms to get their permission (laughs) so that they can join your mailing list. And then you have to come up with this very, um, you know, relatively intelligent stream of emails to warm them up and you might be retargeting them to educate them further so that they can ascend. I think I'm hitting all the terms.
1: Yes. Um,
0: To to buy a product from you. And then the product thing is a little scarier because it takes a lot more work if you're doing it the DIY route where you you have Mm -hmm. to physically make something and package it and ship it. Um, Do you ever work with artists who well, let me rephrase that well, I guess well, what's actually the, the probably the biggest problem that artists have when they're trying to figure out where the the holes are in their in their funnel like is it is it the um, they're struggling more with the ads they're struggling more with the the, the content the warming up via emails or, or is it something else maybe the product or the offers
1: yeah I think it's uh, I think it's actually more ethereal. Um, You know, it's, it's interesting because we're dealing with musical artists, you know, very savvy, very intelligent group of people, very creative group of people. The way I see it for most of our Indies is like, you should be able to take any one of these very creative, savvy people and and put them in front of ads and emails and product creation. And it should be like their mind is spilling out into a million different directions and good directions, like, and all of these things should congeal around who they are in a very cohesive way. Um, and I have that faith in Indies, and I know they have that in them. I think a lot of them confront these template-type things. They're like, oh, i got to think in emails, right? I have to think in captions right. all of a sudden. And I think they, for some reason, abandon that, and they kind of enter this more clerical mode. And they're like, okay, well, I guess I would hit these checkboxes. And they kind of reduce themselves down to like, I need to write four emails rather than <laughs> saying, I need to tell a story about this thing. And yeah. maybe that takes four short emails, maybe it takes eight long emails, like whatever. Um, right. And so I think it's really the, the trouble is a mindset thing in that direction of like, um, I think people abandon this sense of like, okay, I am building a universe, right? Like um, mm-hmm. my friend, one of my friends here. Uh, she once said to me, you know, she's an artist too. And we we were kind of just talking generally about like this kind of stuff, like how do you monetize and and brand and how do these all fit together? And she said to me, she was like, well, I get what you mean. Like when I think of basic printer, I think of, it's like the Marvel universe. It's like, you know, this character has this whole front and this, you know, there's this, uh, these settings and these, you know, kind of, uh, undertones and these features, And it's like if you go anywhere into what an artist is doing, it should be palpable. Like the shirt should speak as loud as the music is speaking, as the live streams speak, as your image, your photo shoots speak. And like um, there's a lot of kind of congealing and cohesion around that, that people kind of get spotty with as soon as you say, "Okay, now we're going to take this to like a marketing funnel framework. I feel like they get kind of um, clerical, which is funny
0: yeah that's I've noticed that too when, when I talk to people uh, you know, when I do consultations or whatever, and I get to the actual text of their ad. I mean on one hand, people struggle with a lot um, with what videos to put in their ads, which, which is like in the end of the day, most of the time I'm like, you need to test stuff And they're like, but what do I do? I got a picture of my artwork and I got a picture of me in the studio. I'm like, well, you can perform in front of a microphone, you can make an animated thing, you can do a music video. Um, and obviously this is a different method than, than what like is in the fan finder method, but people do get frozen up when it comes to doing creative stuff. That's not music, especially when it's like trying to think about the mind of a, cons- a consumer or a potential fan. Like yeah. when they, especially the text field, the biggest thing I see people do in the text field is our new single is out now. Oh my God. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh man. Oh, no, don't say that. No one gives a shit who you are yet. They're not going to care for singles out now. And no. people do it all the time. And uh, so I, I, can, I, I can see how you saying that f- for like for your whole system and, and all that, like I can see how that would be a major problem.
1: Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, it's like I always tell Indies, they're always wondering about, um, you know, all the time because – we're talking about this permission phase, right? Where it's again, for your audience, the permission phase is when, you know, ideally you've brought an audience that has heard of you enough. They've maybe conversed with you a bit. They've gotten a sense for who you are over the course of of a bit of time. And now you're making an offer that's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, you can see behind the scenes of this record or like get access to this exclusive live concert series or whatever. Um, some kind of digital offering, um, in exchange for their email, which is the permission phase. And a lot of time I see in these permission phase offers our our Indies will be like, get eight songs and three videos and two stories behind. And it's like, like all (laughs) of that is implicit, right? Like the, the mute, like, like it's all digital. Like it's Mm -hmm. all the same to me. I'm going to be clicking on a page on the other side of this, no matter what you say. So like, you telling me like, Oh, eight videos and five songs and three unreleased songs. It's like, you know, tell me about like the universe that I'll be entering. Like instead yeah. tell me like, see, like hear the story of, um, you know, the worst, the worst breakup I've ever had and how I came out of it through music or something like that. Like right. use the end result, like the affect that your music has, that should be the offering because, uh, Again, it's not like ooh, I get to interact with MP3s. That's what's interesting <laughs> about this. Like, no, it's what, is the, what will the MP3s make them feel like? That's what you're offering. And Yeah, yeah I think it's it's the same the same trip up with like the caption single out now. Out. Well, yeah, everyone singles out all <laughs> like, the time, especially <laughs> if
0: it's Friday. It's like everyone exactly. Out. <laughs> so uh, I can imagine everyone's pr- that's watching probably is thinking, okay, that makes sense how do I figure out what I'm going to say and what my world is, my universe is going to be? Yeah. Um, and again, this is probably the same kind of issue where people know what to do musically. They're like, I like this, I like this, this is my style. But when it comes to what their world is, that can, that can involve choosing. I mean, one choosing a logo, choosing color patterns, choosing what you, what version of yourself you're going to share with the world. And what do you publicly tell people that you enjoy? And maybe you have some inside jokes and, like, it's hard to figure that stuff out. And I mean, mm-hmm. over time, it probably all comes naturally. But it's, um, if you're a newer project, you kinda you kind of gotta pick it. And even if you're an older project, you've probably sat down and invented it at some point, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know? Yeah. So well, yeah. if some, someone's saying, what the hell do I do? What would you say, like, how, how does someone figure this stuff out?
1: Right, because you're absolutely right, like, at some point I do have to pick something even if I'm total. it's totally antithetical and, and out of whack with the affect I'm having. Like if, if yeah. I'm a brand new artist, um, but there are still kind of, it's it's a bit of an ethereal conversation that's hard to explain, but it, it's, it's true, right? Like the artist is maybe one of the furthest, it's weird because we're, we're maybe the most biased when it comes to the, uh, the empathy of the fan. Like we will never understand what it's like to be serenaded by ourselves ever, yeah. you know? Um, in a real, in that real way. So we really are not authorities on how we come off, (laughs) you know? Right. So, but I mean, the best thing we can really deal with is I would say like mine, your music, um, maybe in a very literal, very kind of boring way, like list out what instruments you use, what musical tendencies you, what kind of references and like lyrical angles you take, um, all of these things and just start there and kind of understand like it would appear you know in my case it's like i'm a little bit uh this kind of emotive nerdy sensitive kind of thing maybe i start there um yeah. and i think i think that's you know the best you can do at at the get go but then i think it's like you know getting feedback from like you have to push it out see how it how it does and what people respond to and then take that back to the drawing board and either you know perpetuate things that are working or reduce things that aren't like for example when I set out with these video ads initially, I was like, Oh, my stuff's so weird. Like only pitchfork hipsters are going to love this. you know. <laughs> and immediately it was like, not those people that were responding in the targeting, you know, hmm. it was like, it was like outcast 17 year old high school kids who live on deviant art. You know what I mean? <laughs> like these kind of like, it was, yeah. you know, the more, uh, you know, there were like some anime fans in there. There was a lot of LGBTQ kind of community in there. A lot of like kind of outcast kind of people who self-expressive people. Yeah. And I learned that and it was like, oh, well, I totally, like, yeah, that's me in a lot of ways. I totally understand that now. And that gave me plenty of cues to go down those kind of um, pathways. Now, all of a sudden I know about like an art style that they would resonate with. I know about color schemes. I know about kind of, culturally what they're into i, I know about their interests yeah. all of these things that i have uh if i don't already have firsthand knowledge of i mean most of which i do i could go investigate that and then again test that again and say hey you know right. uh i could do commission some art that that reflects that or or do a photo shoot that reflects that or do a video and just see if it works or if it doesn't
0: yeah, that, that's a really interesting way to go about it. I mean, I guess that's kind of how we do our Facebook ads, right? You kind of guess and test and then refactor and then guess and test. Um, but I've never thought about doing that with the brand message. Um, I guess every song is kind of a chance to redefine your brand or your release. You can kind of, if you're trying to hone in on your your story and you don't have it yet, it kind of gives you a good chance to, uh, to try to figure it out again. If you're already marketing yeah. something, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. every every song can be kind of a little moment where every the universe if we keep up this analogy gets tilted <laughs> a little bit in a way that it's like oh we're gonna change it up a little bit but not really lose anybody
0: yeah you know yeah that's really good advice now how about when it comes to the products that a artist should list on their store because mm. cds are surprisingly like selling like pretty well, but I've, oh, yeah. I've noticed that, um, when talking to people in different artists that, that sell CDs, it really depends on the genre and a lot mm. of pieces, Like I've talked to people who like, it seems like some, some genres of music. It's like, what the hell you have a CD. You'd be better off selling like a vinyl record or something, mm-hmm. uh, or like even a cassette, <laughs> like in, in some genres, like pe- those nostalgic people who have those old things, but they don't want to have a CD player. Um, do you have, do you find that like a certain, do you find that true to also with the CDs that certain genres just doesn't work? Mm,
1: I do. Uh, I, I don't, I find CDs sales to be pretty agnostic really to, to the genres. Yeah. We've done, we've seen, we have seen hundreds of CDs go um, between off the top of my head, like uh, a uh, Caribbean caribbean artists like like calypso kind of music uh like r&b soul um folk rock and then my stuff like that off the top of my head all of these examples i i personally have been involved in them selling hundreds of cds kind of without really a sign of slowing down um it's been pretty interesting honestly
0: yeah, um, yeah. Been,
1: so CDs in particular I found to be very transferable, very, very sellable these days.
0: Have you ever worked um, with a hip-hop artist on selling CDs?
1: Um, Personally, I have n- I have not. Okay. So that genre may be, may be pretty different.
0: That, that's been the people that have mostly talked about how they've tried it and, and it failed. Sure. Um, the other one was a metal artist. That one surprised mm. me the most because I, I have that's the only genre of music I actually buy CDs because yeah. <laughs> I don't even okay, have a CD yeah. player I just buy it because I want to support the band I like most of my favorite bands are metal and so I buy sure. it. I bought the new Tool album because their album artwork is super good yeah. <laughs> or their, their yeah. packaging whatever it is it came with a right. freaking screen in it and it played a video when you opened it it was crazy oh my gosh <laughs> it cost $35 really cool. um, but yeah that's that's a, I, I've heard you guys say that And I've seen it in in the group, like, um, you know, Brian Hazard, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: If anyone's watching, doesn't know Brian Hazard, go to Google and just type in passive promotion, Brian Hazard. He like one of the best websites, if you're trying to figure out music marketing, but he, he's, he, um, joined Indepreneur at one point and tried out your, your free plus shipping and handling funnel and Mm -hmm. other various Indepreneur stuff. And he's been, like he was like, I think he sold like, was it ten thousand CDs in ten weeks, or was it a thousand CDs in ten weeks?
1: I'm thinking it was a thousand. There was a hundred a week. About ten weeks.
0: Yeah. yeah so roughly a hundred a week for ten weeks, which is kind of. No- I mean, he makes synthwave, so it is like yeah. it is a more retro genre, but still, it's like that. That shocked me when he had results that were that that good. You know, a thousand totally. CDs yeah yeah totally
1: yeah i've seen it all the time and uh i mean i do uh i do sell cassettes as well i don't sell them as much they're kind of more of a um i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of i'm kind of take it or leave it i i do i do go through them and i do i do keep them in stock as much as i can but they're kind of lower you know i I sell them for ten dollars it costs about three dollars to make and you can't they're not as, you know, duplicable in a fast manner. So it's more like, Hey, they come in in small batches and then I make, you know, a a small profit. Um, and you know, it's cool. It's definitely cool. And it's for a certain sect of my audience. Um, but, uh, they're not like the big money makers or anything.
0: Yeah actually on note about the CDs are you aware of any companies that do like print on demand CDs or like would there be like a fulfillment company you could ship them a box and
1: yeah deal there's with that? well there's Kunaki does that Kunaki mm-hmm. okay
0: <laughs> what's the pricing yep. like on that because a CD if you buy like a hundred it can cost like you know two bucks or something but I know
1: yeah you know? I, I actually don't know off the top of my head I just know okay. that it's like not worth the margin dip that you take in my opinion oh, really? um okay they're so easy i mean if someone buys four cds versus one it's like yeah it still fits in the same envelope like it's really <laughs> not you know it's just cds it's like the the margin is so great and the sh- the shipping them is so easy it's just like
0: yeah yeah that's true yeah. Yeah, they're so thin and, and you there's like those cardboard mailers that keep them stiff so they don't get crushed and the mm. bending machines and all that. So I guess if if an artist came to you um, either for the agency or in you're an indie founder, and coaching, um, and they're like not doing CDs for for whatever reason, either like they have this weird genre where they know for a fact it's not going to work well, or they just have a a violent hatred of CDs. Yeah. Um You know, a lot of the stuff an entrepreneur focuses on, like upfront, it's kind of like a CD, like free plus shipping and handling. You're trying to sell your album. Um, how would you have that person shift that initial offer to make it more relevant? Like, let's say they were trying to figure out something digital or, Mm -hmm. or they were trying to figure out a different physical product. Like, are there any kind of common recommendations you would throw at them?
1: Yeah. I mean, before I made any, um, kind of, before I consulted any sort of dogmatic thing I might have for myself being like, Oh, well let's do a t-shirt then or whatever. I might say, look. You are, um, I have plenty of reasons to believe so many different items sell and you, for some reason are just not seeing that CDs won't sell either, Yeah. you know, um, and, and maybe they have good reason to believe that, but I would say clearly, um, there's reason there's a need to figure out what will sell. So my first yeah. thing would be like, well, let's find out what to sell. Let's run a survey or run a, a chat messenger flow or something that just The the purpose of that is like, what would you like to see? And maybe you guide, (laughs) guide the survey a bit. Um, and, uh, and you can figure out, okay, they want black hoodies, right. Or they want CDs. It turns out, you know, um, I love a merch survey. It just gives you 100% accurate information on what you should do next. (laughs) You know, the people that will buy it were like, you ask them, Hey, will you buy this? They say yes. And then you say, Okay, well, uh, I'll do it then. Here's your <laughs> discount code for when it comes in, you know? yeah. Um, so that would be my first move. But if, if, uh, if we're sidestepping that, I would recommend anyone to do that if they are on a certain, like ask the people that are going to buy it. And if you don't have people that are going to buy it, it may be too soon to consider this, you know? Right. Um, but barring that, I go through shirts pretty regularly. Um, and I chain, you know, I, I like to, again, I like to use these surveys to kind of include people on voting on designs and things like that. CDs. I sell hundreds of them a month. Um, the tapes I go through, I, I chip away at and I just bought my first run of vinyl and that has wow. been sensational too. people. Right. We're loving vinyl. I've, yeah. Vinyl is, is a thing
0: these days, I think. So, so this, this is a kind of a pivot, but, um, mm-hmm. You, how many monthly listeners on, on Spotify do you have? Like almost 700. I think I have 690 at the moment. I've noticed that like I've talked to some people who have done like crazy numbers in, in merch and CDs mm-hmm. that don't have some anything like extravagant on, on Spotify. And it yeah. surprises me like when you say you sell hundreds of CDs a month. Yeah. Which is like I, I wouldn't – you know, if I looked at your Spotify, like I didn't even – I didn't know if you were like still active or pushing stuff. Because you're you're not you're not pushing the um, the sweaty sweaty game that all of us are on Spotify, right? right. <laughs> um, cranking out a single every six weeks and uh, mm-hmm. and and promoting it and playing the game, but you're still selling hundreds of CDs a month, which is a pretty pretty awesome thing. Now, is that all just essentially just Facebook ads and funnels that you've set up through that? Yes. So that's yeah nuts. totally,
1: and it's um. It is a pay what you want setup with upsells, yeah. so they don't all go for for full price. But I think uh, I need to kind of check on this average again. But um, you know, the core CD goes for on average I think seven or eight dollars when you factor yeah. in everybody's like people paying zero, people are paying twenty. Um, it's actually they,
0: really surprising that yeah, it's, it's people really can good. pay you zero and you still average seven yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah i guess radiohead get it right back in the day right they were the, the yeah. first band to do that
1: <laughs> yeah kind of yeah right
0: damn yeah
1: so no but no I, I i i do not push my spotify it just kind of grows steadily slowly but surely um yeah. you know i'm doing I'm, I'm i'm basically with facebook ads and the cd sales it's like it's a break-even venture And I'm reaching thousands and thousands of people every day. Um, Yeah. You know, maybe sometimes when a single comes out or, you know, I'll do a little retargeting 50 bucks just to get them over there in case they're interested. Um, Yeah. I'm not really pushing Spotify as like a main thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I know that in the entrepreneur message on the whole Spotify game is that it's like you know, you guys aren't against it necessarily. And I don't mean to group you guys as one group because you're all individual people, but like the, the, the you know, the core belief of the company entrepreneurs generally that like, you know, you probably shouldn't focus a hundred percent on Spotify. You should try to build a, build an email list and do that. And I, I mean, I honestly agree um, with that message. I mean, I, I care a lot about Spotify myself and you guys even have a whole course devoted to Spotify mm-hmm. on it as well. Um, and i've been meaning to try to break into this merch game and and do this stuff as well because um i know i do know several people who make a living off of like spotify streams sure. and they they make a lot more than they put back in but it's hard yeah you know it's 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 a lot easier to make your living back and and make to make a living or even just break even by selling merch and selling it- cds and experiences
1: mhm yeah and it's just um that, that whole evaluation, like absolutely, if you can secure this kind of recurring streaming volume, it can be a great, um, or, or a life-changing sort of revenue stream. I, I definitely have Mm -hmm. some friends that experience that, um, you know, and, uh, they're lo-fi hip-hop types, (laughs) which is, (laughs) which is, you hear a lot about that, but, um, basically (laughs) the evaluation is like, okay, if, um, if I'm going to put fifty dollars a day into facebook ads yeah and you know it's like i would be run so much drier so much more quickly uh going to spotify than i would like breaking even and pulling in these people and pulling them aside and endearing them and conversing with them so that they buy the forty dollar vinyl three months later and it's like yeah, I mean, I acquired them for zero dollars, and then they've already paid me yeah. forty dollars more than they would ever pay through their Spotify, uh, their their solitary, you know, Spotify uh,
0: engagement with my yeah.
1: profile, I guess. Um, but that's, I mean, that's say, like, like
0: a, that's like ten thousand streams is like for forty dollars, right? Right, like that person. Yeah, <laughs> that person give, giving you ten thousand streams, uh, and you know, maybe that's the only thing they bought for you that year they're not going to listen to you 10,000 times in a year.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. So, and that's not to say like never put a dollar into Spotify um if you find it to be an important kind of campaign frontier for you. Um but uh if you know I I, I it's just the thing about what we teach is that no matter what's going on with streaming or or you know, what ty- you know, what season of life you're in or whatever, it's just like I can make <laughs> I can steadily grow this audience that I I totally own and can monetize any which way, um, no matter what's going on. And, uh, and so always having that in the background or, or rather in the foreground, I find to be important, but no, I've been, I've been, I've admittedly been a little bit curious, uh, curious to, to work Spotify a little bit more just to see if there's any kind of, um, kind of see what sort of intro, and education effects it might have, if any.
0: Yeah, on other stuff. Yeah, I mean the, the nice thing about Spotify. I mean the bad thing is they pay horribly, right? That's kind of <laughs> we, we all agree that streaming pays pays badly on a per using per person basis. But the the kind of benefit I think is in like the the like, I guess exposure, which is kind of a bad word nowadays to use. <laughs> in music trade, you know, you yeah. can't pay the bills with exposure um but you know they do give you a lot of like free stuff on the platform if your music is popping you know what i mean mm-hmm. one of my songs is about to cross half a million streams and yeah. a lot of that is just from discover weekly and release radar and another one of my songs is like 150 most of that was a couple editorial playlists um both of those songs had facebook ad campaigns um mm. but like the amount of followers i've gotten on there and the amount of streams i've gotten on there for free is like that's kind of the benefit of spotify i think um
1: mm-hmm.
0: and of course there's downsides you, i can't email all those people right <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um until marquee gets rolled out to me um i won't be able to even retarget them necessarily right right but um right it is an interesting whoa someone just dropped a comment apple is paying a penny now is that true? Ooh, I don't know. I might, I might have but, uh, to start launching so. some Apple. Yeah, Penny would be a, a life That'd be pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can get yeah. down to ten cents per conversion or something on Facebook ads, um, if a person lists ten of your songs, that would be like break-even. Which yeah, that's major. Yeah, if true, if true, <laughs> which um, Stephen Pickering usually doesn't uh, doesn't drop nonsense. Hey Steven. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, I'm just kind of, while I'm here, I'm just gonna kind of look at the comments and see what people are saying. Yeah. Uh, I took all the courses, great stuff. So Jay Clout Ooh. likes Entrepreneur. Love to hear that. <laughs> um, Mark Mersal, I like where this is going. A lot. A lot of things you were saying are right in line with what record companies have always done. The hard part is being independent and not having a marketing department.
1: In a lot of ways, I find that to actually be the easy part.
0: Being independent?
1: Yeah. The marketing, it's like there's no red tape. You can pivot on a dime. You can order new stuff whenever you want. You can design new things whenever you want. You can reach out directly to your consumers and say, hey, what do you want? Uh, it's yeah. not this guesswork or, you know, it's not like, ah, oh, I got to order a thousand hoodies for Billie Eilish. I hope they sell.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. That is true. I mean, the cool thing about doing an independent is you can, uh, I mean, it is hard doing an independent because there's a lot of work to do, I guess. Like if you're just, this is just yourself. I mean, if I think of everything I do for a release, you know, I write the song, record it, mix it, master it, make the artwork distribute it make the music video make the ad campaigns so it's yeah and, and yeah. most artists are similar too and so I mm-hmm. I feel you like if you're independent you don't have like a team it's it's kind of stressful um, sure we have a wild yeah, Corinne, I get, I, we have a wild Corinne Campbell in the chat saying she's in here I yeah. have Jesse. Corinne you're uh, you're gonna have to be next on the uh, interview list if you're down yeah. <laughs> amazing <laughs> um yeah sorry go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, um, no, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't, mean to say, um, it is, it is easy. I'm saying, uh, you know, in terms of it, not, you know, being an independent musician, not being a lot of work, definitely agree there. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm saying, um, the difficulties surrounding, um, implementing a marketing campaign or, um, doing one well, or doing one efficiently, there's a lot less in your way of accomplishing yeah. good things at scale, um, that aren't like going to burn you out or or just take so much money um, or so much time to put together or uh, you know have a loss of creative control or something
0: yeah yeah that's a good point uh, Mark Marcel also said buy a CD and get a free CD later question mark uh, <laughs> I don't know in in, in in
1: the in my immediate interpretation of that uh, I, I guess I would say, it, it would make it, uh, it's a good idea to reward your Ascension customers, you know, Yeah. if you have someone that bought a CD and they, uh, whatever they like, I've had situations where I've had people, um, even in, in this case where they've engaged nonstop and I'm talking to them in the, in the inbox all the time. And, uh, and they've just kind of been, I don't even know if they asked or if I offered, but you know, would passively mention like, oh, I've, like I've been seeing these CDs come through or this shirt come through, and I just like I'm 16 and I'm broke and I'm like my in a broken home. I'm like happy to send them yeah. a two dollar CD for free and yeah, um, you know, so that kind of stuff. It's a judgment call, and you know, but um,
0: I, I actually I, have a I, cool I story that. about that. In, in 2019, uh, one of my side projects released a CD, um, and we were doing a. Big marketing stuff behind each one. I mean none, we didn't really know what the hell we were doing. that was kind of my my big hurrah back into music marketing I guess like they had a budget. they let me kind of figure out where to spend it <laughs> um, and they uh, what we did is we we were running some ads and eventually we saw this cool Instagram post, Instagram story post of this girl I don't know how old like 17, 18, 19 or something um, talking about how she signed up for Spotify just to stream our album like she heard a song in an ad or a youtube video and she bought a subscription to spotify i don't know if she didn't know there was a free tier or not right um but but we didn't think about that at the time we were just so humbled that she she was saying the video that she just loved the song she heard and she wanted to hear the whole thing and stream it real easily so she bought a spotify subscription just mainly because she wanted to listen to her music and i was like, guys. I'm going to DM this this girl and we're just going to send her one of every merch item we made. <laughs> because she's wow. like, that's essentially a, a, that's the goal of every artist, I think, right? I mean, that's like the definition of a, um, well, what do you guys call them? Not a brand Ascension. advocate. It's, no, no, what's oh, the Referral t- or advocacy. That's like the advocacy phage hardcore. I mean, she she literally made several Instagram story posts talking about how much she freaking loved. And this wasn't a DM to us. This was honor like actual stories page. It was like a two minute long stories talking about a greater album was without any work. See
1: now here, here's my (laughs) devil's advocate to that is why did Spotify get the money?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but well, actually, yeah. I mean, honestly, that was probably our fault. We should have had all this (laughs) stuff ready at the launch when we came out with the album. But in reality, what happened was it came out and um, you know, we had no idea what the hell we were doing, and so by the time right, we had right, merch, right. like I think we had we had some merch ready by the time, but we didn't have it on a store. We didn't mm-hmm. have it any, and it wasn't like in bulk. We had a couple copies of each thing. Um, I think we actually had fifty misprinted CDs because a guy did it like at a local thing, um, <laughs> and so I was just like, guys, I'm just gonna message her and see if she wants. And we sent her like a a t-shirt, a hat, and a and a CD or something, and but we were in like every one of her stories posts for like six months after that Sure. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Without a
1: doubt, like a, a, very, a very, uh, yeah. Um, referral, referral slash advocacy level engagements yeah. there from that person, which is really cool that your stuff can inspire that at a glance yeah. for this
0: person. And, um, I forget what even caused me to bring that up. Oh yeah. The buy a CD and get a free CD later. That's what, it, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah, then we're at iHeartJesse Jesse again. Cool, cool. Oh, and Corinne says I would love to chat with you, Andrew, anytime. Sweet. Well, oh, amazing. I will there hit you. you I will hit you up. <laughs>
1: there it is.
0: Um. So I guess like next thing that would be cool to talk about was you're also involved in the IndieX stuff to a degree.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So you're actually running these ads for for some of the clients over at Index. Um. Mm-hmm. I guess before we jump into that, have you guys messed around with TikTok ads at all? <laughs> We not, uh, not largely we've ran a test
1: here or there and, yeah. um, we didn't love it too much. Um, wasn't anything to sneeze at quite yet, especially again with the, uh, the alternative being Facebook and yeah. I, uh, IG, but, um, yeah, I think, cause our, I think our, uh, our other account manager, Ed was doing some of that and he found like, um, you can't run ads from your tiktok account like yeah you run it from like an advertiser account which you know is basically a duplication of or or, you know mimicking your other one and there isn't really retargeting so you're not consolidating your social proof it's purely just kind of like this little traffic uh generation thing and it's like um yeah so we haven't found it to be anything too worthwhile at the moment
0: yeah so I, i hated it at first um, and I still, I mean, I still kind of hate TikTok a little bit, but I, I, I someone in, in, one of my courses came up with like a brilliant strategy on TikTok ads and I mean a solution, it sounds stupid saying it out loud, but the solution was just making ads that fit the platform really well. And mm-hmm. he told this like very intricate story and it felt very like Gen Z, like, you know, it felt like it fit on the platform. And um, the goal of it was to get DMs on Instagram from people on TikTok. And so he kind of described what he was doing. He was getting really good results with it, Um, converting to Spotify, but also a crap ton of DMs. And I tried it and it went, it went not as well as his, but like pretty much as equivalently as well as I I ran a duplicate of it on Facebook ads. It went just as Mm -hmm. well on TikTok ads as it did on Facebook ads slash Instagram ads. And I was just kind of, Shocked. Um, I mean, one, it was cool because I've never had that kind of engagement with people who I've run ads for. Like the goal of this campaign right. was get DMs from people, them telling me their story of how they interpreted my song's lyrics.
1: That and, is
0: really cool, actually. And um, that was like, I mean, it was borderline depressing because some people's interpretations and what it reminded, me, reminded them of was like sometimes like heart crushingly sad. But, um, it was really cool. And that, before that I had horrible results with TikTok ads. And, um, Mm -hmm. so that's why I was wondering, like with, with you guys and your, your, everything you guys do is kind of all about getting like communication with fans and telling stories. So I didn't know if you would have had some success stories already with TikTok because of that.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, definitely with, uh, messenger, you know, like, um, yeah. You know, doing things in Messenger, whether it be sourced from TikTok or, or another platform. uh, Yeah, that's very inspiring. That has my mind going a lot of different directions. Just, I mean, that's hardcore education phase, as we would say, like, yeah, they are, you're saying, hey, like, this is my music, engage with it in this really invested deep way. I mean, that is like a huge jump towards, I mean, yeah, you are very much simulating everything that's to come. You know, like that's a really great first impression. That's a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I wish I came up with it, but it was there was this guy. Yeah. Uh, I'll shut him out. I think his name's Brandon Kudos Andres. Brandon Andres in my in my course, and he, he I think he watches these videos too because I don't know. I, he must have seen my videos to end up buying my course. Uh, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, he came up with this, that brilliant idea, and he shared it, and it, it worked really really well and it makes sense when you think about it in hindsight you know why it would work so well like um, I hooked him in with saying like you know if you've lost someone in the past year this song's for you after you like go to Spotify listen to my song and follow me look up Andrew Southworth on Instagram and um, DM me and tell me what the songs means to you and if you want I'll tell you what the song means to me and there's like all these like crazy crazy DMs and stuff which I think I'm going to try I have a song coming out Friday I think I'm going to try it again just because yeah. it works so well
1: I mean, I'd be curious about like the long-term effect of that introductory fan, you know, like yeah. if someone's coming in that way, you're right. teeing up a different echelon of fandom, like yeah. than them hearing your song on Spotify and then <laughs> maybe not remembering it after after the fact.
0: And the cool thing is, was like, I set up the ad that they would like, it was kind of implied they would go to Spotify, listen, follow, and then come to Instagram. And I I ran it to the US only. So it'd be very clear, you know, in Spotify, you can separate by country now in the graph. So it was pretty clear yes. to see, like I started running this campaign, the US started going up on a steady note. So people were not only going to the Spotify, but DMing me. And um, I have a suspicion that you probably would agree with that those people are probably more likely to listen to my next song than the normal person I sent over to Spotify.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the precedent you set was like, you are going to take me more seriously as an artist. Like I'm not just some line item in a playlist now. Like Spotify is this um, you're listening to this song on Spotify and I, you know, yeah. you probably use Spotify in other ways, so you, you know, I'll get kickback streamwise and algorithmically over there. But it's not really. It's kind of like what I was saying before about, um, you know, like get eight songs or three videos and being very clerical. <laughs> it's more like, hey, let's confront the affect of this song. It happens to include Spotify. You know, Spotify as a platform and IGDMs as a platform. Yeah. But you're you're securing that piece first, which is just like the precedent is is, is way better than uh, you know, something more passive. So I think that's, yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to see how, how they, yeah. Like you're saying, um, I'd be curious to see like, what, who of these people out of their, of their own volition, like go out of their way to tell you like, Hey, listen to your neck, your new song that came out today. Yeah, This is what it makes (laughs) me think of, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh yeah. So on the note about you, um, you got you being part of Indie X and running ads for, for clients, um, I guess like when people come to IndieX, what do they normally say is their goal to the, what are they trying to accomplish? And then what do you end up, uh, well, it's probably different for everyone, but let's say on average, like, do people come to you and they're like, I wanna be a big successful artist or do they, do you have most people coming to you saying, I want to sell like 3000 CDs in the next like X amount of months and I have this much budget. Like how, how, um, how niche, like how, how much do people understand what you, what you can realistically do? And then like, what do you actually go do based on their input on Yes,
1: average? Great, great question. I totally know what you mean. Um, I think we, we have a pretty good vetting process now so that the people that are a good fit for the agency kind of understand coming in, like, Hey, uh, you're going to come in, we're going to assess what you have going on, what you don't have going on. And our goal is yeah. to set up a sustainable, reliable kind of business model that, you know, using digital marketing that will grow and grow itself um, and get it to do whatever we want it to do in the long run. Now, for some people, they think they're further ahead than they are. And it's like, they're jumping in and saying, Hey uh, you know, I'm thinking if we could turn, you know, a break even profit in three months, that would be cool. And it's like, well, (laughs) you need to run like two months of FanFinder and that's it for a while. You know, like, um, yeah, so sometimes we are, it's, um, I think that's, it's more like a timeline kind of difference in a lot of people's mind or they don't understand like, oh, you actually need email subscribers before anything else will happen. And yeah. so now your, your goal may be revenue, but our goal is now subscribers or something like that. Um, that'll kind of be what happens. But that aside, we do have, uh, well, we've had some higher profile artists where they'd come in and they would say, you know, basically we're looking to run this campaign like we have this vinyl coming out and it's going to be a big deal like we need to run it for a long time there's a lot of odds and ends to it um we need to make sure the checkout's good and the 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 user experience is good like everything about this particular product or this launch um we're just going to put it on you for three months you know um so sometimes that's what happens um uh but yeah i think we've actually done good to kind of uh, get ahead of expectations and, and get on the same page yeah. about like what we, what we do. And and um, so there hasn't been too much of that kind of confusion lately, which is, has been nice. I think we have had to figure yeah. that out and, and get that vetting right though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess a couple rapid fire questions on that note, like what's yeah. the minimum budget someone would have to work with um DX? both like, I guess, what's the ad spend that you would want to manage and what is like the typical fee that you guys do?
1: Yeah, I would say ideally we'd probably want to look at um what would I do? Probably minimum. Like so the retainer is fifteen hundred a month. Um and I would say minimum we we could you'd probably want to expect to spend at least three hundred in ad spend a month. Yeah. Um so a lot of times people retaking it, you know, in it's more about kind of revenue lift for them. Like they are maybe yeah. making a month. And we can kind of wash that for them with our services and the ad spend and, you know, grow, grow that revenue. Um, But again, a lot of times um, a couple of the clients I have right now, that's less the case for them. And they're more working off grants or um, investors, you know, and they know like, look, we need to build this up so that it becomes sustainable. And they're fine to kind of just, uh, they're not focused on return right
0: now. So it's really a case by case thing and where kind of their
1: budget's coming from.
0: And now uh, I'm guessing you guys run things through the customers' ads account ad accounts typically so yeah. you can just run things through their pages and do everything and you, you're essentially acting as as them through through Facebook but like do you guys um how much communication up front is required for you and the artist to have a good mutual understanding of, of what's gonna be happening like there's the creatives, there's the copy like how do you properly speak as them when you're running ads and
1: oh yeah well um again, part of, part of the role is just having that savviness and that social kind of intelligence of like, and that marketing, you know, instinct of knowing, like, if I am acting as this client, they would, you know, I know they prefer this. I know they say these things. I know their fans like these things, incorporating all these things. Um, yeah. so that, that in itself is a skill is, is just one thing, but, you know, we use Slack to kind of constantly communicate and, and some some clients will totally trust us. Some clients will ask for approval just so they can have visibility. Um, so sometimes we'll, you know, they'll, they, you know, what's great about it is that, uh, it's all, everything we're doing is on their, you know, their tech stack, their ad account. Like if they, if they end the account, they walk away with everything we built and the history of all of that, you know? So we definitely are, you know, want to enable them to, um, to succeed with everything we've built and we're just kind of collaborating on that. So they have full visibility on everything, you know, they can hop right. into MailChimp and see what we're doing hop in as manager and see all that. So there's a lot yeah. of transparency and, and communication there in those ways.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I'd imagine that that would be very hard for some artists to, uh, to have that sense of trust that like, Hey, you that I'm hiring are going to communicate as me and my ads and, but uh, they, you know, but I'm assuming by the time they, they come to you, they uh, they know what you guys are all about and trust you to a degree already. It's, it's kind of it's scary as an artist giving up control. You know,
1: uh, tell me about it. I've <laughs> yet to really do
0: it. Yeah. Actually, same for me, honestly. Like I probably should mm-hmm. have hired a video editor like a year ago. Um, and I still I edit all my own videos. It's like, that's good. What the hell am I doing, man? <laughs> saving,
1: saving tons of money.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's saving money, but like it's it's like someone else could do it for for probably better and and for less time and probably be worth it. But a, a lot of artists, you know, myself included, are, are very. It's hard to give up control. Like, I, if I had, if I was at the right point, um, and I was thinking about hiring, like, let's say I didn't want to do it anymore or something, and I wanted to just hire you guys, I would have a hard time giving up the the control aspect, you know. So I see why a lot of artists might. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Same here. I totally, I totally get it. I, uh, it is a lot of trust. Um, yeah. And so we definitely emphasize like, Hey, um, this is what I would do. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll mix, we'll kind of give them the opportunity to, to have input and either, yeah. you know, you know, veto some things and incorporate some other things based on what we, you know, think yeah. would work. Or sometimes it's just not, you know, they don't know what they're saying is like against policy. Like sometimes they don't know Oh, you like know, Facebook policy? is, yeah, like, you know, comment yeah. below. Like, uh, sometimes they'll reach out. You know, so so there's, there's a lot of that discovery, right? Like, why don't we do yeah. this? And it's like, well, actually, it's just against the rules. And then they start to realize, like, oh, I guess yeah. I should just trust you then. <laughs>
0: the the one that's come up several times, which I find funny, um, and hopefully it's not offensive for anyone watching, but I, I've talked to several artists who don't realize they can't use the, the part of the song that has the N word and the lyrics on a Facebook ad. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you can't put that there. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, it's a swear. And they're like, ah, oh. like, you know, they don't, <laughs> they don't realize it. Um, Cause you know, for different cultures, it's not like, it's okay for them to say and all that kind of stuff. And so, mm-hmm. and then the other part of it is the imagery. And I found a lot of artists have trouble um, in hip hop with the imagery that might be shown in their videos. You know, a lot of hip hop yeah. videos, have um they talk about you know sometimes they talk about dark stuff and sometimes there's like gang stuff or prison stuff or police brutality or um it's it's not just like money and chicks and cars anymore it's like people get pretty deep in those videos and i I found a lot of artists struggle with they're trying to run ads for that and they get their accounts banned too
1: (laughs) yeah yeah no it sucks and it's true it's like uh there's a thin line with a lot of this stuff um which is like you know if you want to get your music out there in the most authentic way it does kind of take this expertise of knowing what boundaries you can push and which you can't on in the advertising platform once they get in go crazy i mean they (laughs) want to hear they want to hear the most unfiltered you know that's the best way yeah reel them in but right yeah just evidence that the ads platform is a fickle place so yeah having someone steer it that knows what's up is important
0: yeah have you ever had to like reject a client because the the release was too um i guess against the grain to properly market like let's say i don't know they were I don't know. They had tons of swears in their music. The album artwork had like a naked lady on the front of it and guns and meat <laughs> right. or something. And, um, has that ever happened?
1: Uh, well, I'm so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like, I don't make those decisions, you know, like yeah. there's, I, uh, Jack who runs the agency is like what, you know, uh, decides who, who's a client and who isn't. So I actually yeah. have never had to make that evaluation. What I will say is like, we've had <laughs> clients where, some much of their content was laden with swearing or other things that, yeah. um, you know, like we had to be super savvy with like, okay, well we'll run with this snippet or like, we'll take that <laughs> angle or, you know, yeah. we'll censor it this way. And like, um, you know, we have had to, had to kind of do that dance before. Um, yeah. But no, I uh, not to my knowledge where it was just like this is so <laughs> gratuitous that like it can't happen.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's, it's it, it it you have to be really clever. I found you know it's you got to cut out different parts of the song. If the chorus has an f bomb every every line, you you can't use the chorus in any of your ads, and it really complicates things. And yeah, some people I've worked with have been like like listen, man, I'm not gonna tell you how to make your art, but <laughs> If you want to make the marketing easier, you should probably make it so that your videos are like acceptable in their entirety on that platform. You know, yeah. Maybe you should make a uh, – every time you record a song, make a radio-friendly version just for us to use in ads. Um, yeah. Because make two music videos.
1: Like yeah. if advertising is – like even if they're totally different and then, you know, that's an interesting story in itself,
0: you know. It's like –
1: you could probably I'm put thinking,
0: that in the copy. We couldn't show you the real music video here, so click below, or, or well, I guess don't say click below. So right. so come check out the actual video. That It's too uh, too crazy for here.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, the fan finder, right, is the clean, the safe version, and then you have a retargeting ad. It's like, that video, this one, you know, you show it. That you yeah. saw, like, that was a totally differently shot other script <laughs> music video just... So we can advertise it. We can't show you the original concept here. Yeah. So let me send it to you. It's like a great permission offer.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Jux Bravo, can you just radio edit the swear words out for ads? I think you, so you probably would get away with it. I think Facebook says something. They don't want content that's like obviously censored. I believe that's somewhere in the policy. I don't know if that applies for audio though. Like they, they don't- they, Good. they don't want you to, like, get, like, a naked picture of someone and put, like, black bars across the sensitive bits. But I don't know if that applies for, like, you know, you you say a really bad word in, in the song and you bleep it out. Yeah, I've had a,
1: a decent time. I really have been able to get away with uh, censoring swear words and just uh, removing them from any captions or whatever. I haven't had to do it in a while, so... I don't know if it's gotten more sensitive or not. Uh, yeah. But all in all, like since I started advertising, if I'm doing a, a video where there's a swear word, I just don't say it anymore. Cause I know it's going to be an ad eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Typically.
0: Yeah, yeah. It gets hard. If you're trying to like boost organic posts that you did or not boost, but you know, like run ad, run retargeting ads to show your recent content to like your, your people. Oh um, yeah. It's like tricky. I,
1: I tried to boost You're t- absolutely right. Like I, tried to boost something once and I didn't know that um, I was linking out to a thing on my website and basically the metadata, I wasn't filling in the link description. So it was pulling in like metadata from the page. And there was like a swear word in the metadata of that page, but it was show it was like in the ellipsis, like it was in the read more of the, you know? And so it was rejected over and over. I was like, there's no swear word. Yeah. And yeah, so it's so true. Um, and then you, yeah, it's ridiculous sometimes.
0: The policies are, are pretty weird. Like one, one weird one for just a fun one for everyone watching is you can't show a video or photo zoomed in on a body part. Yes. <laughs> so That's you can't right. zoom in to your elbow in a, in a, in a part of your music video and have that as a scene um, that will not fly.
1: Right. They don't want you to, to do kind of these like before and after type, you know, body image sort of things, you know? Yeah. They don't want to do like do your teeth look like this and you want them to look like this because it's triggering for people,
0: you know? That's true. Yeah, um, yeah I, I can imagine. Yeah. Also, if you don't know what you're zoomed in on, you might not. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> also bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so slid V. So Spotify has this statement on the website. Unfortunately, you are not allowed. You're not permitted to use Spotify's logo for advertising or promoting your business. Is that true? Do you know about well, this?
1: I don't know, but if you get that from like Spotify's terms of service, generally, it should be true. Yeah. What I'll say is like, do I not see? Do I not see Spotify logos all over <laughs> place all the time everywhere? Yeah, no, I do, I do, and uh, I don't know that these people are not getting away with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've done it a lot, and I've gotten away with it. Google is a lot more particular. If they, if you say the word Spotify in anywhere in your 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 YouTube ad, um, Mm. like in the the description or the headline or whatever, they won't let you run your ad because you're using someone else's trademark. Mm. And you can, you can, you know, if you're using something and they incorrectly do it, you can prove that it's not that you own the right to use it. But it can be even be tricky running ads to a website sometimes on Google ads or YouTube ads because they're so particular about copyright too. <laughs> um, Got it. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it can be kind of, they'll make you prove that like you own the music on the site that you're sending them. If it's like, you know you're sending someone to Spotify for example or any streaming website, if they see that the end destination is a place where people can listen to music, they'll essentially accuse you of music piracy until you prove that you own the copyright. Interesting. And you, you submit like a signed form saying, I no. whoever own the rights to this music and I'm sending them to this, these are the links I use, this is why it's fine. Um, happened to me every time. That's crazy, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, man, well, we, we've been talking for a bit been talking for over an hour already. I feel like I could I could talk to you for, for forever <laughs> about this stuff. But yeah, I, I guess yeah. like this is a good point to just kind of drop into some Q&A. If anyone wants to just drop questions, yeah. we'll just chat yeah. for a bit. Absolutely. Um, but uh I recently had an artist client with an explicit song. We ended up using the radio edit in the ad. And then even then, some of the ads were still disapproved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had an ad rejected... Three months after publishing it and it got randomly pulled back and Facebook said it was because of alcohol references and there was no alcohol anywhere. All the time. Yeah. All the time.
1: <laughs> Stuff like that, all the time. Like, hey, it's political, this is profane, this is alcohol, this is yeah. sexual, and it's never uh, it just flags like a bot somewhere. A bot filter
0: gets incorrectly flagged or something. Do you find that they're they're their AI detection for both ads and account restrictions are incredibly horrible. Well, I don't know. I don't
1: know what the bar is because, like, the biggest social media platform ever. Like, the rate at which there are errors is that is that actually amazing that it's only that many errors, or is right. it actually horrible? I don't know the scale. Um, yeah. What I'll say is that. Most of the time, I guess, I guess this would be the way of putting it. Most of the time when I've had a rejection or account restriction, it's been wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen uh, that when people make new ad accounts, if mm-hmm. they jump right into a conversion campaign, their first campaign, there's like more than a 50% chance their account's getting restricted. Wow. And it's, I've, I've talked to so many people who are like messaging me like, I just saw your videos today. I made an ad account. The next day ran an ad and I'm already blocked. <laughs> and it's 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 crazy
1: i think it's kind of like a uh, they're just touchy with conversion lately um yeah especially around like the the elections and stuff but um yeah i think they're just kind of like better safe than sorry we may as well flag this in case because I, I can't even imagine the scale of accounts that just like are bot created and running conversion campaigns trying to like do some bot activity and they just yeah. shut them down because it you know who knows it's True. Um,